Are you a kiddo who dreams? Kinky dreams? Dreams of wearing pants like the ones you grew up with? Well, golly gee, dream no more. Kinky Dreams specializes in printing cute vintage designs of diaper prints, superheroes, and cartoon characters on adult diapers. These handcrafted pants will leave you feeling your full baby fantasy. If you want to get your grabby hands on one of these one-of-a-kind diapers, make sure to use promo code PLAYTIME for 10% off all Kinky Dreams products. Kinky Dreams, making your little dreams come true. Hello, 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 and welcome to Newsies Nook, a podcast where you can sit and relax while I try not to wet my pants. I am your host, Newsy Baby. This week in Newsies Nook, a man in a onesie is escorted off a playground in South Carolina. What police are saying happened. Plus, we get another cage check from Bro Sitter. Then I sit down with Diaper Dynamo to talk about his amazing content. This week in Newsies News, a TikTok video depicting cops escorting a man wearing a white onesie with green dinosaurs is causing a big debate in ABDL spaces. Initial responses to the video on Twitter include that the video paints ABDLs in a bad light, especially since he names the acronym in a second video. Other reactions rekindled the debate on whether ABDL clothing should be worn in public and if so, what areas are acceptable. I posted a poll on my Twitter asking is it appropriate to wear a onesie in public. Nearly 19% said yes, nearly 27% said no, and 55% said depends on the location. Some said it is only appropriate at kink events. Others said general public places are fine, but only with pants. A lot of responses echoed that it is important to have common sense, discretion, and knowing what is and what isn't appropriate. I called the Greenville Police Department and they told me that the man in the video is homeless and say people called the police because the man was a nuisance and trying to play with kids. Police say they escorted him to the Upstate Homeless Coalition, which provides resources like housing and mental health support. The police are hoping that the family of this man steps in to help. Also in Newsies News, Diaper Active in Los Angeles has been rescheduled for December 2nd at the Bullet Bar. Hope to see you there. Ha! It's no secret that I'm a mega soaker. Sometimes I just put on a diaper, drink a little water, and bam, I'm leaking all over the place. And I'm left thinking, is it me? Am I the soaker? And then I found North Shore's Mega Maxes. Have you seen them? They say they can last up to 12 hours. 12 hours, I know! And they come in a variety of colors like white, pink, tie-dye, and blue. My favorites is blue. And the best part is, it's anti-odor, so I can be my little stinker self all I want. If you want to get your grabby hands on them, just look in the show notes of this episode. I got you. It's like what North Shore always says. Be dry, be confident, be you. How are my locked boys? I must confess that since our last episode, I have made cummies twice in my cage. But my boyfriend has replaced those loads with two loads in me. So I think I'm fine. I think it's time to get a cage check by Brositter. Hey, little dudes. How did your week go? You're already two weeks into Locktober. You're nearly halfway there. Look at you. So big and strong. I'm proud of you. I hope you've been enjoying Locktober so far. I know I have. 
I've been playing with my dick and playing with other guys to, oh, <laughs> sorry, I should have been more sensitive. I have been having a good time, but I realize you probably haven't been able to do any of those things, have you? I mean, you may have been able to play with other boys and their unlocked peepees, but sorry if I touched a nerve there. I know some of your nerves especially are, uh, well, they're very sensitive right now, aren't they? <laughs> That's okay. We're learning all sorts of lessons this month, aren't we? Your relationship with your PP has changed. That's probably one of the lessons that you're learning. The feeling that no matter how many people are doing this month, it feels like it's all about you. That's a thought that comes from your PP. It's trying to beg you and convince you to let it out. And I'll bet you're having that over and over again. Your relationship with your PP has changed, hasn't it? It used to be something that was under your control, under your command. Your PP and you were one, and you understood each other. But now, the longer your PP stays locked up and behind bars, the more vocal it gets, the more desperate it gets. It's gotten a mind of its own. And it has one single goal, getting out. It'll make you think of all sorts of things to let it out. The pleasures of sex, the pleasures of diapers, anything that makes it excited. Because it knows that the better it feels and the better it makes you feel, the more likely it is that you're going to let it out. But you're not going to let it out, are you? No. Because you'd be a bad boy if you let your pee-pee out early. You just need to gain some control. You need to tell that pee-pee who's boss. There's a reason we put your pee-pee behind bars, isn't there? Because locked little nubs mean good little boys. And after all, given just how vocal and pushy and rude your pee-pee has been this month, how many naughty thoughts it's given you, how many times it's made you fantasize at the office or at the store or at home and made you desperate to claw that cage off, and, well, give it what it wants. All of those things are reminding you that it's for the best to have your pee-pee locked up because your pee-pee gets you into all sorts of trouble, doesn't it? That's one thing I'm sure you've been ruminating on. However, there's something else that I wanted to discuss, and that is how natural and how normal this feels. Yes, it feels odd from time to time, and I'm sure that there's times when your pee-pee reminds you to try to take it off. But we both know that the more and more that you wear, the more and more this has become a part of your routine. It's been a few weeks, and your cage has become, well, part of your underwear. After all, the more that you do something, the more of a habit it becomes. You've showered in your cage. You've gone potty in your cage. Hell, you might have even changed your diaper a few times with your cage. And it became more and more natural every single day. Just like we said last week, you're building a wall. Every day is like a brick in that wall. Now, the wall is about at your hips. You can feel that wall. You can imagine it, sturdy and strong. Every brick, every day, getting stronger and stronger. You know it'll eventually crumble. But... Part of you wonders if you could go beyond October. Now, there are plenty of you boys who are groaning and rolling your eyes right now. 
but I'm sure there's a portion of you who are wondering, could I make it past October? Could we push into November? After all, it's kind of fun building a wall, and it could get really, really tall, couldn't it? We could keep putting bricks and bricks and bricks until it's so big you can't even see over the top of it. Wouldn't that be fun? And mix with how natural this is feeling now. Is it any wonder? It could feel so good to be locked up. There's such a pleasure to it. Such a feeling of normalcy and relaxation, knowing that your pee-pee and your cummies are not for you to control. And so I want you, next time that your pee-pee gets in the way, next time that your pee-pee tries to convince you that this month is over now, think about that normalcy. Think about how normal and natural it is for your pee-pee to be locked up. I'll check in again with you next week, but ruminate on what I've said and try to prepare yourself. Put a few more bricks in that wall for me and try to be a good boy. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, is anyone else straining? Tune in every week for another Cage Check by Brositter. This week in Newsies Nook, if you have ever went to YouTube looking for videos on ABDL, you may have seen some of Diaper Dynamo's content. I know when I was starting out as an ABDL, his videos were a great resource. This week, I had the honor to sit down with him to talk about his content, being an authentic content creator, and the topic of censorship. What do people usually message you about? Oh, uh, man, all sorts of things. So uh, sometimes there is, you know, that that level of rapport there where they feel comfortable sharing aspects of themselves with me that they might not feel comfortable sharing with other people. Um, so sometimes that means pictures that I didn't ask for stuff like that. Uh, other times uh, people come to me asking for help with particular product recommendation. Uh, sometimes I get parents reaching out to me with incontinent kids asking for help finding particular products specifically uh, in, you know, in the five to 15 year old age range, there's not, a lot of good products there's sort of like a big segment on the market there it's being neglected and so it's pretty hard for parents and that they they tend to find me on tiktok uh and then they'll reach out to me on instagram and they'll find other ways to direct message me yeah let's let's talk about incontinence for for a second um i gather from your from all of your videos that you're incontinent is that a big thing in the abdl community that doesn't get talked about a lot uh, I mean, it depends on, like, in my experience in, within the ABDL community, uh, I have talked to plenty of people who are along similar lines as me, where they started having issues, and then they, they found the ABDL community, uh, and they found people to be very welcoming, accepting. It's like the first place for me where I felt uh, felt accepted and recognized and, and where this thing that was so shameful to me was actually like coveted and revered. So it was like a different experience, uh, coming into the community and, and seeing that. Uh, and then in regards, like it's, it's my thoughts on this get, get kind of deep and complex because it's kind of drives a big part of what I do. Cause early on in, with my experience, with my experiences with issues 
and then my experiences and my observations within the community, uh, I, I started to like try and embrace both sides and like uh, bridge the gap, so to speak. Because I would see people who felt the way I felt, who had issues and who were also discovering like, hey, diapers can actually kind of feel good, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so you have these all these conflicting issues between like being afraid of people finding out and being ashamed of having issues. And then at the same time, getting some level of pleasure out of it. And like, basically I would, I would see people in the community who were struggling with the same things. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I would see people within the community who had, who, who didn't have incontinence issues, but they had been suppressing their desires for like their entire life, you know, decades and decades. Mm-hmm. And so they, they would exhibit these unusual social behaviors, um, which, to me, I found interesting and sometimes problematic. Um, and so that's, it's, it's all this stuff kind of underlies a lot of what drives all the stuff that I do. So uh, I guess, yeah, I, I, I kind of lost the root of the question there within my, my, uh... no, no, I think, I think you got it. And I kind of get a sense that, you know, what drives you to create your content is this is, you know, pulling back the veil a little bit and showing like, you know, this isn't as weird as you may think it is, or, or, you know, there's a whole community that is connected to this and, you know, you're just like opening the door for them. What advice do you give people when they message you saying like, Hey, I have incontinence and I just don't know how to deal with it. And I'm kind of ashamed that I wear diapers. What, what piece of advice do you give them? So there's, it it depends really on where they're at and what they're saying to me. Um, so there's been cases where I've had people reach out to me and they're, they feel overwhelmed and ashamed about their issues. And then on top of that, they're surrounded by family members who are not supportive, who are belittling and degrading. And in those situations, uh, I mean, the best advice I, I would have to give to someone in a situation like that is, first off, put distance between yourself and anybody who is making you feel belittled for taking the steps you need to take to manage your issues. Um, You know, if if there's this perception that diapers are somehow a negative way to go about managing the issues, and that's not something you can change through conversation or information at that point, let me back up a step step there because that, that would be the first step, right? Informing and educating, informing and educating and saying, all right, so I have these, these issues. This is what I've been experiencing and this is how I'm choosing to manage them um, for X, Y, and Z reasons. There could be all sorts of reasons you want to choose diapers over, you know, I mean, catheter colostomy bags. There's, there's a lot of different ways and methods that, and therapies that doctors will push you towards uh, that personally, I just feel like diapers are better than (laughs) in my opinion. Um, but yeah, so, uh, that's, that's, that's the thing is, is start with education and information. And if at that point, uh, people are, are not understanding or supportive, the people that are closest to you and and are in your day-to-day life are not understanding and supportive. The next step would be to find some way to put distance between yourself and those people. If you feel like this is the right route for you to go, if you feel like, Diapers are the thing that will provide you with the best quality of life. Um, and if you feel like you want to explore it deeper and 
and explore the kinky side of things, the more pleasurable side of things. Like if you need distance from people to do that, that's, that's what I would recommend. Yeah. Well, your videos are very informative and they're always in, you have your blog, of course, that you, that you write all, all your articles on. Mm -hmm. Of all your content, is there one P is there one video or one article that you take a lot of pride in? Oh, I don't know. There's just so much. I like, I spend so much time kind of working on the current thing and looking to the next things that are coming up that every once in a while, I want to actually go back through my content and review things that I'll sometimes get surprised or delighted by some of my own stuff. And frankly, more of that stuff comes from like uh, TikTok, the, the, some of the more fun stuff I do. Like, I'd say the one that stands out for me is there's this TikTok video I did. There's actually quite a few TikToks that I did that were pretty fun. There was one I did early on last year. like I had just rebooted the Diaper Dynamo. It was going into Halloween. And so I was like, you should do the, the rug. Uh, you should do like a Rugrat spoof. And so mm -hmm. I did like a little Halloween Tommy Pickles Rugrat spoof where I pulled a snack out of my diaper and ate it. <laughs> um, there was one I did where it was like this, this sound. I couldn't, I don't remember exactly what the sound was, but I, I made it seem like my roommate was walking in on me during a diaper change that just makes me laugh every time I see it. Um, it in way of the major videos, like every YouTube video I do, like there is some overarching challenge and backstory with every one of these videos. Um, so <laughs> they're, they're a lot more challenging. And it, I've been thinking a lot lately, like I need to find some way to sprinkle more fun into them. Cause like, sometimes I, I kind of dread doing them a little bit <laughs> and that's not good. Like I, I need to be enjoying the work, which it would be fun to do like some adventure videos, like some incontinence travel videos. Cause that's a big thing Ooh, that, that, that sounds people like fun. Yes. Yeah, so that's a big thing people struggle with is like, you know, what do you do when you go on a trip? Uh, and I just did the, like the airport security thing recently. Uh, and I have a wedding I have to go go to here soon. So I'll be traveling again. Uh, that that presents a whole set of different challenges with it. But but yeah, I, I'm thinking of doing stuff like that for future videos uh, in way of like the, there was one clip in the video I released today that was from an old video where I tried to do like this kind of like inspirational thing where it was like me going out like looking at a mountain and doing like this inspirational voiceover <laughs> type mm -hmm. of thing like you get i don't know if you've ever watched any of the youtube videos that like motivation hub or just yeah. like these morning motivation videos where there's like these guys talking in this this echo voice and <laughs> right and so it's I try just like it's just long shots of like landscapes and stuff and waterfalls yeah yeah exactly i tried to i i tested that out at one point it didn't really perform that well but um you know, there's, there's things like that, 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 that I enjoyed doing just because it was a little bit different. Um, any, you know, if we go like, we, we kind of like dove right into this and there, there was the, what drives you to create content, uh, question. And like that list is so vast and so deep. And like, when I, when I started thinking about that question, it's like, what does drive me? Cause it's different at different times. Right. Like, I mean, I don't know how it works for you, but, you know, when I, when I first started, like I've told this story in some of my YouTube videos, when I first started, like I started with a, 
uh, anonymous blog like 10 years ago. You know, I don't know how many people actually know about that, but that's that was like, you know, then at that point in time, it was mainly just like an outlet, like just a, a creative thing to do uh, mm-hmm. that that was like an outlet for me, kind of like self-therapy. And at the same time, had the potential to maybe reach some people and help some people. Um and then as I did more of that and that grew and the traffic to that website grew, I would get emails, uh, you know, tell me how helpful the content was and how it was impacting people's lives. And, you know, once you start receiving messages like that, then you, then you realize like, wow, this is, this is actually helping people. This is actually, uh, you know, having a positive ripple effect out there. So that, that, that becomes fuel and motivation. And then at a certain point on the website, I, you know, did Google AdSense and I saw the first penny come in and then that becomes a certain level of motivation, right? You see like, Mm -hmm. oh, wow, I can potentially earn an income doing this. Right. Um, And then every step of the way there's, you know, as a creator, the one thing that I love the most as a creator is the the constant challenge. Like depending on where you follow me, because on, on Twitter, I tend to get a little bit more raw and uh, personal with some of my thoughts and tweets. That's what Twitter is, right? You know, you just kind of mm-hmm. like tweet out raw thoughts sometimes. Right. And on Twitter, sometimes I talk about the framework. I kind of view the framework of, of life as like life is a game and I'm here to play it. And, and, and for me, part of that game is building my creative skill tree. Or, or just my skill tree in general. Like if you think of like a role-playing game, role-playing games are, are really immersive and engaging because they engage you to level up. They engage you to build your skills. They, they engage you in all these different missions that pop up. And so being a creator for me is about developing and building my creative skill sets, which is something that I've been doing my entire life. It's something that I, it's kind of like a story that I'm trying to tell in this book I've been writing, which is kind of like <laughs> become a whole thing at this point. I, I've mentioned it a few times on different platforms, but uh, basically I just kind of wanted to kind of tell my creative story and how I got to where I'm at today um, and how important I believe creative skills are. Uh, I also think critical thinking skills are very important. Um, right. One question that I thought of as you were saying all that, and I get asked this a lot too, how, what advice would you give for someone who is struggling with that fine line of being being an authentic content creator, but also being a performer, right? There's a certain aspect of being a performer when you are a content creator. So mm-hmm. how do you how do you straddle that fine line of being authentic, but also being a content creator? Uh, that's a great question. So I just try to stay true to myself as much as possible. Um, that goes back to this, this challenge factor, right? So there's there's certain, well, I don't wanna diverge from, from the question here. Um, so straddling the line. So, all right, as an example, uh, on TikTok, uh, I'll do a lot of kind of like jokes of like me having like a bowel accident in public. Um, and in reality, my bowel issues are not that bad, but uh, but I do that because there's people in the audience who do have bowel issues that bad. And I think it's important to be able to laugh about it, to joke about it and, and own it 
and be like, oh, that happened. All right, let me just stop what I'm doing, laugh the awkwardness out and, and go get cleaned up. You know, because I, I think a lot, a lot of people will ask me, you know, how to hide the smell of a bowel accident. And personally, I think that's the wrong approach to take because just because you're it's a losing battle. Like you're going to I know there's things you can take. There's certain pills and stuff you can take to try and like neutralize the smell. There's certain things you can do. Some people will go the extra uh, mile of wearing, uh, you know, plastic pants over their diaper to kind of like add that extra concealment layer in there. And while we're on the topic, I do have to kind of give a shout out to diaper dust because that stuff is amazing. I don't, I haven't posted about it too much, but if you do have bowel incontinence or bowel issues and you struggle with the, the smell of dirty diapers in the house, and that's something you want to eliminate uh, diaper dust, you just sprinkle it inside the diaper and it, it's amazing. It's kind of what inspired me on this pathway down towards creating my own powder. It was, that's a whole different story, but um, I just totally got sidetracked from the question. What, what? Get me back on track here. <laughs> now I have so many questions. Diaper dust. What is that? But no, I guess the question was like, you know, how do you how do you be authentic and also be a performer all at the same time? And have you ever struggled with being authentic but also creating content to get the clicks, get the views, so, such and such? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So so I was using that as an example of something that that I do that's not like one hundred percent authentic in a sense so to speak right it's that's that's part of the performative performative nature of what i do just because i want to make people feel seen i want that part of my audience to to feel seen and help them with their issues so there's that aspect of it right so i you know i do have some issues there but not as much as i make make it out to be right mm. and so i just try to stick to um the things that will serve my audience. Uh, another question I want to ask you is, do you feel like you've played a role in breaking down misconceptions of ABDL? That is one that I'm not really sure about. I mean, if I have uh, at this point, it's not nearly as significant as what I expect it will be in the future on where I want to take things. So I, it's a big part of what I'm trying to do is kind of bridge the gap, bring the whole community together and uh, disintegrate or diminish, like from what I perceived early on to be like a rivalry between incontinence and ABDL, like, and, and have a greater understanding between the two different groups. And, and then just in general, all the varieties of reasons that people do choose to wear diapers. Cause you know, at this point with what I do, people do approach me saying they use diapers for things that, that I had never considered, like, I mean, comfort and anxiety, uh, you know, uh, kind of using diapers to address those sorts of mental disorders wasn't something that I had fully considered that was separate outside of ABDL and outside of incontinence issues, right? So that's that's something that I view as, as legitimate, as a legitimate use of this tool that we have, you know, uh, since doing TikTok, I've I've found that lots of women wear diapers for heavy flows, you know, uh, things like that. Med medical stuff after giving childbirth, and there were things that that I learned from TikTok that I didn't expect. Or on the other hand, um, in way of dating, dating is like something that's always been difficult for me, 
and is a real challenge for anybody that wears diapers for whatever their reason, right? I, I don't know how it has been for you, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 one of those things like when do you bring it up with a partner? How do you bring it up with a partner? Have Which, you created a video on this on this topic yet? Uh, not recently. Like <laughs> it's it's one of those things. It's a weak area for me. It's it's hard for me to talk about. It's I've been I'm such kind of like a independent solo. I thrive in solitude and I, uh, it's just, it's just a challenge for me. You know, it's one of those areas that's hard for me. I Um, think, yeah. Well, I hear it all the time. I hear that it is a challenge for a lot of people. One, if they're just into diapers and they're not incontinent, incontinent. And then of course, if you are incontinent and you have to wear diapers dating, I mean, I know you haven't fully discovered the answer or any of that, but you know, I think I mean, it's important to talk about what, what, what have you discovered and is there any piece of advice you can give to anyone else struggling with this? I mean, for me, because I discovered the ABDL community early on, that's kind of where I always sought partnership to me. It was always better to have somebody who was, you know, into it, turned on by it, aroused by it, what wanted to, play a role in it like to me that always was more interesting and more stimulating than and less scary than putting myself out there into like the regular dating world and and saying oh you know by the way I wear diapers which I've done that too you know I've I've created all sorts of profiles where I put it in the profile I've I've tried all sorts of things over the years you know I've tried being totally upfront I've tried lying about it I've tried you know strategizing telling them early on I've tried you know experimenting like who's who's better more dominant people or people who don't get into kinks at all and like so i don't really have a clear answer i don't have a clear answer other than do what i just said try different things be experimental don't be afraid to try things and obviously don't be afraid to get rejected I'm just very curious. Do you have like a horror story that you went through in terms of dating that you're like, I'm never doing that again, or I learned something and I'm not going to do that again next time. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's been times where the relationship gets, you know, a few steps down the pathway, you you're hoping things pan out and then you reveal the fact that you have these issues or that you need to wear diapers and it's something that they can't get over. So in, in an effort to avoid situations like that, I've just always been as upfront or as early on as possible. Um, so, I mean, in all fairness, my experiences are limited. I've been pretty reserved in the dating department. It was one of those things. It's like, this is one of the ideas. Like I, I try to sit down and come up with video ideas regularly right just come up with ideas even if i'm never going to do them just get crazy with it and one of the one of the ideas because this is such a sensitive subject a hard subject for me hard subject for those who are listening is to do a dating series like a a diaper dating series like okay this this week i'm gonna try uh you know getting a date using x app or this week i'm gonna do you know like five minute what what is it where you go and you sit down with people for five minutes was it fast dating or something like that speed dating speed dating yeah so there's stuff like that that I could do, which just saying it gets my nerves going, <laughs> but, but that's more of a reason I probably should do it. You know, like, <laughs> I think you should do it. I think you should do it because you are in a very interesting spot in terms of being a content creator where you've already established 
a pretty well-known following and from people who message me there this is a question that gets brought up a lot how do you date when you're into diapers there is no i don't think anyone has found the secret recipe of when to disclose it how to disclose it and you know what do you do with the other reaction so i i am all for this idea of diaper dynamo doing like a dynamo dating series <laughs> yeah well now i've kind of shot myself in the foot because i put it out there and people are going to hear this it's like <laughs> then people are going to ask me to do it and it's it's one of those things that's that's an idea on my list and i think we probably would do really well but it's also it's like i'm already like yeah if if you guys only knew how challenging every single one of these videos is on me psychologically, because everything I do, I'm putting myself out there. And sometimes I question so many things and stress over, you know, some people will complain that the video is like only three and a half minutes long. But if you knew how much work goes into every like second of the video, it's, you know, I, I stress over a lot of little things. Like sometimes I'll show too much of myself in a diaper and I'll be like, Does, was that too much for YouTube? There's, you know, there's certain things on certain platforms that are okay and other platforms that are not okay. And as a creator, it's my job to know where that line is. And I think, honestly, I just, there's some update on YouTube this week talking about that line might be changing and it makes me concerned on my current library of content because I know, <laughs> I know, I know my audience <laughs> and I know what scenes they like. So, you know. Yeah, before we jump into censorship really quick, I just wanted to throw out there that, you know, I totally feel you on the whole overthinking content, but I the one piece of advice I was given when I started this podcast, and I've kind of always kept it with me, is you have to do it for yourself first, right? It's that whole airplane yes. analogy. You have to put on you have to put on your breathing mask on yourself first before you help others, even though right. your intention might be to help others. So that has kind of always been my mantra with this podcast is I try to find people who I want to talk to mm -hmm. and who I think are interesting and who I want to learn from. And then the hope is that hopefully other people will enjoy it. And mm -hmm. I think you do that really well. And I totally hear the whole like, ah, uh, someone complained here or someone complained there. I get that all the time on my Just for Fans. People are like, you haven't posted in three months. And it's like, well, I got two other jobs, <laughs> like, yeah, right. you know, I only post because I enjoy it and I feel like not rushed by it. And, you know, your content is already solid. And so I think, I think, I think you should allow yourself to explore these areas that might be fearful because I'm always, I'm always of the understanding that if it makes you nervous, it's probably going to be good or it's probably mm -hmm. going to be challenging and you're going to either really hate it or really enjoy it at the end, but you'll definitely not be nonchalant about it. I mean, either way, you'll learn something from it, right? And it's, it's, it's another kind of staple of what I feel like me per, being a creator is about is really a lot of it is about me facing my own fears. And there's a lot of times I put out a tweet and I say something that's like positive and like meant to be inspirational for everyone else. But it's really kind of like just me talking to myself and like telling myself, like, you know, hyping my own self up. So, you know. <laughs> So some of it, there's some narcissistic self-serving stuff going on there where it's like, it's the depth of the creation is sort of me kind of like talking to myself in some ways. Um, and then a lot of it, you know, obviously is for the audience, but yeah. I could talk it's, to you for hours about that whole thing. Cause I want, there's, there's been so many times I wanted to post something on Twitter, just like 
because to me sometimes twitter is just this void that i just want to throw my thoughts into right. and i'm always like i don't know how people would react if i posted that so i guess i'm just gonna keep it to myself but yeah. i feel like it is important to talk about it so i'm like well i can't talk to my therapist this week so i guess maybe i'll post it to twitter <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that happens there's there's sometimes where where that stuff can lead you to make a, a misstep so it's definitely good to kind of double think it before you post it but at the same time that's part of being your true authentic self right sometimes you have those thoughts you have those emotions and and if you don't share that rawness with people they're never going to really know that that part of you or that perspective of you and sometimes it's worth the risk because then people are like oh i i feel the same way you know i i I've been thinking the same thing for years, but nobody's ever said it. Now you did, you know? Yeah, no, I totally feel that too. Um, I also, that's kind of why they're, that's, I've always thought about separating my newsy baby from my, like, what I would call my, like, porn stash Twitter. Because mm -hmm. I feel like if you go on my Twitter page, it's just like, this person's just a pervert. <laughs> but then in a lot of ways, I'm like, you know what, this is, this is who I am. So I'm just going to keep it all in the same spot. You get the podcast posts. And what I repost. Yeah, um, you, you know, on that note, I, I kind of had to learn that uh, lesson a little bit the hard way, just because uh, there was in Jan, it was like January, February, I had some of my first TikTok videos go like super viral and do do like I don't know millions of views, mm -hmm. and so there were some people, some news organizations in the UK that reached out to me to do some interviews, and so I had my my and you obviously you're in the industry yourself, right? So. You know, I, I had my first experience with what it was like to do that type of a media interview. And this this format is a lot better. Just having this feels more like having a conversation with a friend, whereas that happened to be like there were these questions and they took things that I said and it turned into things that I didn't actually say. And then the articles went and got translated like 10 times over into like 10 different languages. And there were things being pulled off of my Twitter, like pictures that because when when I did these interviews there were certain pictures that i submitted that i was said was okay for them to use there were some pictures i took just for them that were just you know originals just for them and then when some of these other uh news organizations came along and started translating they just started pulling any picture off and so they took some of like the more provocative things that i do on twitter and tiktok not tiktok but on twitter and instagram mm -hmm. you know some of like the like change me daddy poses and <laughs> stuff like that that wasn't really meant to be in in a news article, but you know, it made me more conscientious of the fact that that could potentially happen. But you know, sometimes I feel I feel like making those posts. Sometimes, you know. Let's turn to because I think this is a huge topic. I see it all the time with different. I mean, even uh, what's the safe word, uh, which is a very big uh, kink education YouTube channel. I see that. Um, Pup Amp always posts about how YouTube is censoring some of his some of his videos and stuff. Do you feel do you feel the brush of censorship from YouTube all the time being being a diaper content creator? To be honest with you, no. Um, really? I mean, how about I'm, on TikTok? I'm, I'm I'm consciously aware of it, right? But I feel like I I toe the line with education and informative content and when i show myself in a diaper um or at least i try to but now that said i don't know about how this new update is going to play i don't know if it, this new update is rolled out yet um but there were can you say what the update is 
Uh, the for, so what what I heard about it was channels that are in trouble from this update are channels that have any kind of content that can be perceived as provocative. So they specifically outline things like uh, certain types of ASMR channels uh, that make certain types of sounds. Um, there were there were there were some other examples he gave, but it made me concerned because I do know that that showing myself in a diaper could be seen as potentially provocative in that kind of a way um so that that makes me a little bit concerned on the content library i currently have and what i currently show now how that's going to play out i don't know what that actually means i don't know if that actually means those particular videos like if the algorithm suddenly deems the type of content i do as too provocative I don't know if that means those videos will get demonetized um, or if they just won't get pushed as much. Uh, I'm not really sure exactly what this update means. It's just something I've recently heard about in the last couple of days. Mm. And it's kind of got some red flags up on my radar that makes me concerned. Yeah, when it comes to um, censorship, it's I mean, I feel like it's on us as creators to know where we can do what. What about situations where, because I know um, Playtime, who's the company that hosts this podcast, they tr they made a TikTok and it was taken down within like, I want to say like two months after starting and nothing was really posted that was suggestive. I mean, there was kink paraphernalia, but you know, nothing, nothing suggestive that you see on other TikTok accounts, but it got taken down. So that, yeah, that could be so... For me, so you, you may know I had a my original TikTok account get banned. Did you were you aware of that? No, but I I don't doubt it. Yeah. So I had my I had so I've been in this situation. I've you know had videos contested, uh, specifically on TikTok when I that this past year when I was first getting back going and and it, everything was blowing up. They had a, a system in place where people viewers could report the content and that would cause the video to get flagged and then you'd have to go in and appeal it and you know like 98 95 98 of the time i would win those appeals right mm. and so for me what happened on tiktok is is that anytime i would have anything go really big and get really viral those those reports would increase to a level and degree that i wouldn't be able to contest them um and so basically what happened that led to that account getting banned but Later on, I found out that there was more to the ban than that. So one of the reasons, I mean, I didn't really get a lot of feedback from TikTok, but they sent me an email months later that gave me like one piece of information that made me think, okay, maybe they upheld it because of my links to Twitter and Instagram where I do some more adult type content. Um, so, because it said something about third-party links. So when it comes to playtime, what happened to them, if they're linking back out to their website that could be deemed as an, a link that's worthy of banning the entire account. So, so since, since I've restarted my new accounts, um, I only link to like my website or YouTube. So those are, those are more family friendly types of content. My reaction to that is what happens if, I mean, that just goes against everything about branding, right? Like if I am a brand and I have a Twitter or even like, let's just take 
take the giant uh, topic of sex workers, right? I'm not, I mean, I'm not calling you a sex worker, but I'm just saying like they, they do exist and they have mm -hmm. Twitters and, you know, maybe they're doing educational stuff on TikTok, right? They want to just make educational videos on TikTok, but then they have their hot steamy content on Twitter. They're not allowed to post their Twitter on TikTok then? Is that what, kind of what I'm hearing? It's basically where I'm at with it. Like, I'm not going to risk my account with a third party link to a, to my like my patreon's 18 plus uh my twitter i i do i mean it, i still try to keep it within bounds of reason but i do you know some a little bit more provocative content on twitter and instagram than what i do on uh tiktok you know um at least in my opinion and perspective maybe other people view it a different way but but yeah i mean it's that's that's one of those things that's that's the line like for me if i want to continue building my brand it's not it's not worth taking the risk of linking back to those things. So I can still post what I want on Twitter. I just won't link back to my Twitter from there. That's part of the reason I'm trying to weave such a, a wide web too, is, is I want to be findable wherever people are consuming content. So yeah, there's a lot, I, I'm sure I have a significant number of fans on Twitter who only consume me on Twitter and same thing on TikTok and same thing on YouTube. Uh, and of course there's some crossover between platforms as well, but, but yeah, to me, in, in, in way of brand building, that's why I kind of like hedge my bets and try and, and do my best to work as many platforms as I can manage at this point. You know, that's um, insane. Yeah, it's it it it's an interesting it's an interesting line that we're following, and it's it would it'll be interesting to see when your when this YouTube algorithm comes out, and it'll be interesting to see you know how TikTok develops over the next months years to see what gets censored what doesn't get censored yeah i mean there's there's been a lot of these sorts of scares over the years there was like uh it was a couple years ago i wasn't actively posting on the derbidonimo youtube channel but there was this release of this thing called uh this update to uh COPPA laws which is like child online protection something act and so at, like at that point in time i was kind of concerned something what happened to the channel so it's possible that this just comes and goes and there's nothing for me to be concerned about in way of the type of content i create but um yeah i mean it's something to keep an eye on it's something to constantly be aware of um and figure out a way to navigate through because they're i mean no you're totally right it's, it's something that i think abdl i mean content creators in general need to uh be aware of well, and, and, and just to kind of touch on it real quick, in regards to how, like one aspect of what I do, I, I feel like kind of like a leader within the community and with, with a responsibility to continue putting out the content that I put out and not letting my voice be hindered. And I can't really express that last part enough <laughs> because things have happened recently that made me have to make some very tough decisions on whether where I was going to draw the line on how much I'm going to uh, how much I'm going to bend when it comes to the the voice that I'm using that I'm putting out to the world if that makes sense I just I'm trying to be <laughs> confidential because it deals with some stuff but I that it shouldn't get into publicly but yeah it's 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 a constant battle you know it's a constant battle and it's it's our duty as creators when we see this threat coming 
to 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 fight it because this is the digital grounds is is our is our battleground as creators for expanding and pushing forward the rights of the things that we care about right in wrapping up where do you see diaper dynamo going in a year in two years in, in five years where, where do you see your brand going what's what's on the horizon what projects do you want to create Ooh, that's a great question i well right now i'm creating my own diaper powder uh that's something that i'm hoping to launch within the next month or so do a a beta batch of so i got to get like a beta batch out and get some feedback on it make sure it's not affecting skin in a negative way um so that's one of the goals is to get that out and then expand upon that and create a line of fragrances that's appealing to both my abdl demographic and my incontinent demographic i know a lot of people love the classic baby powder smell so i don't know what the legalities are around creating that same exact scent um that's a whole new like as a creator i never in a million years would have expected i'd be looking at working in the medium of fragrances like that's like it's mind-blowing to me to be at that doorstep but mm -hmm. but in way of where i would like to go this is probably gonna be controversial for some people but i i would like to do an nft drop at some point i would like to utilize the utility of nfts and, and get into web 3.0 um, I would like as a creator to be prepared for augmented reality and virtual reality when those things become big and are ubiquitous within our environment. I would like the Diaper Dynamo brand to become a thriving business in the diaper economy, so to speak. <laughs> um, is, is that a thing? I just made that up. Diaper economy? I don't know. Yeah, of course it's a thing. <laughs> I mean, you have ABU, Tykables, all these types, all, you know, you have different clothing brands uh, and people that make creams and, mm -hmm. and you mentioned diaper dust earlier, which I can only imagine is from another ABDL content creator or adjacent no, she, to. Yeah, no, she's actually, she's uh, like, I think she comes from like a nursing background. She was on Shark Tank. Oh. She, yeah, yeah. It's not ABDL related at all. Dang. Um, well, I'm pretty sure her audience are ABDLs at least. Uh, right? I mean, I kind of, I, I, I kind of warned her that I would bring her that audience. So, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's actually a really amazing product. I, I highly recommend it. I should probably talk about it more than I have. Um, but, you know, I got my, got my own product going on. Yeah, there you go. Um, um that's interesting. NFTs. Cause I know, um, RJ from Playtime, he's super into Web 3.0 and NFT. So you guys should definitely link up and talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, I would love to do that. I mean, I have this whole concept percolating in my mind of something I would want to do. Um, it would be great to kind of like, there's some really awesome and amazing ABDL artists out there, just artists in the community that just, that I, I just love the art that they create. It would be awesome to bring them in and be like, all right, let's like, for those who are uninitiated with NFTs, um, because I feel like there's probably going to be some people listening who have some negative perception of them, and rightfully so, there's there's plenty of criticisms to be made. Uh, but the thing that I find most interesting and, and intriguing is the underlying smart contract features, right? So if I was to kind of create a coalition of artists that want to kind of come and work with me on, on this project, we could ingrain within the smart contract, you know, a certain percentage of every sale goes to the artist 
in perpetuity, right? So that would be for the rest of their lives. Every time that specific NFT gets sold again, they get a cut of that. Um, there's other things that you could do where they function as sort of like, sort of like stocks where you where like as the Doug Bernanimo brand, I would be like, all right, well, here's the roadmap. Here's what I want to do, the products we want to create. Um, and as, if you invest, basically NFT would be an investment where you hold on to it and you get returns on that investment. There's things where I could do where I would in, be like, okay, so everybody who owns this, you know, this specific NFT gets X percent off on this new product that I'm dropping and just, you know, update the, the smart contract. At least this is, this is my understanding of how this works. It's very rudimentary understanding. I've never actually done any of this stuff myself. It's part of why I need to create a project, uh, some type of project to experiment with it and see exactly how, how to best utilize smart contracts. Cause there's a lot of cool things that can be done with them. I mean, like another thing that's, that's a threat uh, is any kind of like middleman business that um, like insurance companies, as an, as an example, like you don't need a whole organization there when you can create a decentralized autonomous organization, DAO DAO that has all of this, the stakeholders invested in and they create the rules of what gets paid out, stuff like that. You know, it's, you, you, once you start digging into the smart contract feature and and different ways nfts can have utility that goes beyond just the artwork and the collectible then you can start to see the potential power in this as a a medium for marketing a medium for business a medium it's it's the infrastructure of web 3.0 it is the infrastructure of the metaverse like once you like once you start to look into the metaverse like for those people who are uninitiated in when i say the metaverse I mean, like crypto games, games built on the blockchain. There's, of course, right now it's it's in like a what they call it a bear market. It's in a low market, so it doesn't have as much hype right now. But I think we're gonna see big things in these in these arenas. I think that's where the next big like internet is is in Web 3.0. You know, it's obviously why they call it Web 3.0. <laughs> I'm I don't understand any of it, but I am excited that there are people in our community that are learning about it and seeing how. ABDLs can put their own little nice little mark on it. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I don't know when or where or exactly how that's going to play out, but uh, it's something I'm very interested in. And then it, it goes back to me for it goes back to politics as well, because like if you can have uh, I just see uh, metaverses and virtual environments as being the place where we can actually experiment with potentially new systems like you know there's no there's no like new land to go conquer other than mars but <laughs> um but in in these virtual environments that are emerging like you know you never know maybe we'll create this little uh virtual diaper society and have like a bring the diaper economy within this virtual diaper world or whatever i don't know i don't know how it's going to play out but i would like to play a role in whatever happens well, I'm excited for you to create the Diaperverse. <laughs> well, thank you, Diaper Dynamo, for coming to Newsy's Nook, talking about your brand and talking about these variety of topics. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was awesome. I had a lot of fun. And yeah, anytime. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Diaper Dynamo's Diaper Powder is now on sale. I will have a link to his content and his store in the show notes. All 
Alright kiddos, before I go, I want to give one piece of advice a friend told me about on Twitter. If your work offers a health savings account, you could use that fund to buy diapers. NorCal Little tells me all you have to do is email the customer service email for the company you're buying diapers from, so like ABU or Twitter, and they will send you an HSA-specific invoice. I have not done this personally, but I know a few that have, so if your insurance offers this, maybe try it out. Alright kiddos, I'm officially soggy. I gotta go change. See ya. Bye. Hey, it's me, Barney. Remember from that one time? I'm starting a podcast and I'd love for you to listen. It is the least you could do. Especially if you're like me and being kinky made you feel like the weirdest, strangest, loneliest person in the world. It's called The Big Top and each week I'm going to be discussing a particular topic to do with fetish and kink. I'm going to be discussing my own bizarre kinks and journey of self-discovery as well as talking with guests about theirs and covering issues within the kink community. Oh yes, there'll be guests. Wonderful, beautiful, charming, horny guests furiously trying to upstage me on my own podcast with mild to moderate success. When I'm not busy rudely interrupting my guests, we'll take the time to cover some heavy material and share our experiences. So catch The Big Top on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. In fact, it would be pretty rude of you not to, and I will take it personally. The Big Top is produced by Playtime Studios with new episodes every Tuesday. Catch the first two episodes on Tuesday, the 16th of August.